I've been wandering around my house this past week going, mmm, mmm, mmm. <laughs> For any particular reason or are you just, you know, having one of those days? Usually when I do it, it's for no particular reason. But this week there is a reason for it because I've been watching that there Dark Crystal on Netflix. Oh, uh... you're being a Skeksis, are you? Mm-hmm. I see you're being one of them, one of them beaky boys. <laughs> friend, friend to Gelfling. Mm. So I, I started watching that today. That, that, that prequel like is pretty decent, and it feels like they had a justified story worth telling. Yeah, mm. I mean the thing about Dark Crystal is you watch the original movie, and there's so much lore, and there's a clear amount of homework they've done before they started it, and then you look at like source books and stuff, like. They worked so hard on the history of that um, story and and the, and the world that it's a prequel worth telling because the Age of Resistance was a thing, mm. the Garthin Wars were a thing. Like they worked so hard on it, and that's the difference between a prequel that's made just to make money and a prequel that actually has something to say. As much as I kind of like the Dark Crystal, like. I think there is a very fair criticism to be made of the original that uh, it is incredibly exposition heavy. Oh, it's ponderous, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it like, you know, to a fault, but I think that a lot of that is because they had so much story they wanted to tell. Yeah. And like, it is nice to see like some of those rambling, pontificating nonsense bits of lore be given more room to breathe. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the Netflix show has like all of the the rich storytelling, the amazing puppetry, the delicious overacting, but with pacing as well, which is all the original Dark Crystal needed. It just needed some tighter pacing and less sort of as you say, exposition-heavy stuff. So they've got, obviously, you know, what was it, 10 episodes? Uh, yeah. The shortest of which is about, like, 45 minutes. So they've got so much more time. But at the same time, they are moving it so quickly. And I, I wrapped it up last night. I watched the final two episodes last night, and it was incredible. Like, as someone who watched The Dark Crystal when they were five and never forgot... Um, the Skeksis as characters. <laughs> like, there's a reason why I use pictures of the mm. Skeksis when I talk about, you know, triple capitalists and stuff in my videos. Um, and this season, like the episode eight, there's a scene I, ju- I just call it the no scene, <laughs> where one particular Skeksis is saying no a lot to certain things being said to him, and it it it's a hell of a scene. It's like these are villains. The this is what because someone said on Twitter that especially with like the Marvel stuff, the MCU, you get all these big world-ending villains and their villainy is so huge in scope that they're almost abstract. You can't Mm. relate to wanting to get rid of them because they're just a nondescript threat. And no time is taken out to show them, you know, kicking the dog, being petty, giving you a personal reason to be invested in their demise. And the Skeksis are all pettiness. And... On top of that, they're also, you know, a world-destructive threat. But it's also a very relatable one because, you know, they're essentially the fantasy equivalent of a of the 1% uh, <laughs> destroying the world to keep their own decaying little decadence going just a little bit longer. I'm not saying the Dark Crystal is political or anything. Don't get upset <laughs> at me, internet. But, it, you know, Jim, it is... I- I do have to stop you there, Jim, because you mentioned sort of ominous, mysterious threats. I keep hearing, I keep hearing someone else on the call 
who might or might not be an ominous, mysterious threat. Who are you? Oh, shit, I forgot to do my job. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You got me here to, you know, remind you that there are people that need introducing. <laughs> Who's on the call with us this week? Hello. I am the ominous giggles on the end of the line. Now, hello, I'm Ellen Rose, uh, and I work on Outside Extra, a YouTube channel about video games. You do, you do what them, them video game done words yeah. and stuff. Yeah, word, words and pictures. Nice. You're in the right place then because we sometimes talk about video games. Excellent. If we feel like it. I, I tried my best to give you like a comprehensive topic list. I did not warn you we'd be opening with the Dark Crystal because I didn't know. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on the Dark Crystal? Um, I've not seen it just yet, uh, but like... I've heard nothing but good things from people who've watched the series so far. Um, yeah, I've been traveling while it's been out. So like now I'm kind of sort of on the ground for a little bit. I'll be able to maybe watch it. <laughs> so. Oh, you're in You're in for a treat if you start it up. It's, it's so beautiful. And they've got great, great casting. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely worth watching, even if you don't have a huge attachment to the original series. They do a good job of making it its own. Yeah. A thing that stands on its own feet. It's not constantly going, hey, 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 this is us setting up a thing that you know from the film. Well, yeah, because they had their own story to tell. They didn't have to do the whole nostalgia thing of, oh, this is this from the film. Remember? Do you remember? Which is what (laughs) most prequels are. It's just a do you remember checklist. Um, But no, this is its own story. If you've watched the original film... The context is different, but it's not better. It's just different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Knowing how certain things turn out gives you this ad- additional perspective you wouldn't have if you... But I almost wish I hadn't watched the original... I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> but I almost wish I didn't know where it would end up because it, it there's a very different experience you get watching it. And it's not a better experience. It's just different. And that's a damn good prequel that can do that, where you not only not need to know, but it can change the entire context of how you view the show. Mm. So yeah, whether you've seen the film or not, I, I reckon it's 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 a puppet show and they have puppets and when they do use CGI it's tasteful and it enhances what you're seeing. Mm. It doesn't replace what you're seeing. It's great. Yeah, I love like good puppetry. I, I actually recently watched a whole series on YouTube by um defunct land Um. uh, doing like doing the whole history of Jim Henson and it goes into the dark crystal and it's so interesting and I finished that series and I was like I am so ready for the dark crystal now I would hugely recommend anything on that defunct land YouTube channel such a good channel they make really 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 in-depth fascinating but also really personable and approachable documentaries largely about uh Things like uh, puppetry, Jim Henson's career, um, abandoned Disney theme parks. Just things sort of forgotten to the ages that are designed to like mystify and keep people sort of like, oh, that's that's really fantastical. Warning for the last episode of the Jim Henson one, though, the series, uh, I, I was openly sobbing like openly in oh, tears yeah. it, it's so well done so well done it takes you on a journey that one yeah but uh yeah i i can understand how that would have got you in the mood for some dark crystal yes but uh yeah we should probably do some video game chat because oh what we, oh, man we, we, well i say i say this because we lost an episode last week <laughs> we due did. to forces beyond our control which means there's a lot of video games what we got to get done talked about mm. yeah sorry about that folks for we we didn't do one last week um one person was all snobs like, oh well, even if it's a bad quality you should still put it out i'm like literally a third was gone and i don't mean 
sequentially a third. I mean, one third of the cast was Aww. not recorded. I, I will tell you, if it was me that had had lost my audio, I would have done the thing I've done before where I go through and just re-record my lines based on context. Uh, if you ever listen to me and Jim's spoiler cast on, I think it was the beginner's guide, none of that audio of me talking was in real time <laughs> because my audio was gone. I painstakingly put that back together in post. In- amazingly impressive work and, and I don't think anyone spotted <laughs> it, but it does also at the same time creep me out. Like There's something weirdly <laughs> creepy knowing there's a recording of me having a full coherent conversation <laughs> with someone who I was having a conversation with but what she's saying is not what I heard it's it's a it's a total mind screw um but yeah it was awkward last week we couldn't really get a replacement working cuz cuz I was under the cosh in terms of workload so yeah well there was a time we could have done it but i I had to go and go to a gig so you know i had important things to do yeah you had a gig one day the guest had a had um obligations the other day so to make up for it this episode will be extra shit (laughs) i promise you that i will be extra rubbish this week to make up for it so video games to talk about uh who's has anyone got one they they particularly like i want to talk about this right the heck now I never want to talk about video games, ever. I hate that I have to do it for a job. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to make you talk about it. Oh, no. Talk about Control. Talk about Control? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, how are you getting on with Control? That's pretty good. I beat it last week. Um, yeah? The fact that you can unlock a really swanky yellow smart suit for your character, I did not know when I did my original Jim Impressions video on it. Now that I know it, 10 out of 10 game of the year, it's a really swanky yellow suit. Um <laughs> But it's uh, it's all, it's good. It's good. It's if you look at the the recent big remedy games, um, not Max Payne. That's from a different era. But you look at yeah. the modern ones. Yeah, your Alan Wake, Quantum Break, and Control. Mm. Um, personally, and I know that I'm I'm not speaking from a majority position here. Not everyone agrees with me on this one, but. I do like Control, but it is my least favourite of the three big recent Remedy games. Um, I realise a lot of people didn't care for Quantum Break, but I mm. genuinely did. I thought it was great. I loved it. And there we are. Uh, nice to see someone else who does. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> loved it. Yeah, I often feel like I'm alone on that. No, no, you're not. Awesome. Well, my ranking is, is you know, Alan White, Quantum Break, then a fairly wide margin and Control. Um, control is... Plenty fun when it's um, when when the combat is happening. Um, it's repetitive, but in a way that didn't tire me. It's like Dynasty Warriors repetitive for me, where it's like I am doing the same thing, but it's satisfying enough that I haven't got bored of it. Because you really are just ripping chunks of concrete out the floor, or pulling chairs or fire extinguishers off the wall and throwing them. It's just suck, throw, suck, throw. When that runs out. Blast away with your gun until that runs out, and while that's recharging ammo, suck, throw, suck, throw, suck, throw. Um, but there's a nice rhythm to it. Uh, everything in between, I'm not too fond of. The story I found a bit of a wasted potential. It's clear that when you read the avalanche of in game documentation, there are so many notes and documents to pick up. Mm. You could s- s- double the length of your game reading it all. I gave up in the end because it's too much. But you read that, there's some really clever ideas in there, clearly inspired by like the SCP Foundation. Mm. Um, these talks of weird artifacts that do strange things. And I'm like, I'm reading about this. Why aren't I encountering it in the game? You only see like little visual hints of, of these weird SCP style phenomena. And when you're actually engaging with the game, you're really just fighting glorified zombies. 
um, you know, zombies with guns and glowy red heads. And that's about it. Uh, and it just feels like a lot of wasted potential. The idea of this X-Files style government building that you spend the entire game in um, is great. It's a fertile hotbed of ideas, but the ideas are relegated to law. And I hate that. I hate when I see really great ideas and they're only in the lore and they're not actually in the world for me to experience. Also, I just hate the map. I hate the in-game map overlay. I hate the navigating the environment, mm. um, especially the maintenance floor. The, the game's divided into different floors. The maintenance floor is a mess of corridors and multi-layers and the objectives shown on the map do not tell you what layer it's on so you don't know if i'm supposed to go up or down mm. um there's a lot of signage in the world and that's way more reliable than the map you just follow it's like you're in a hospital trying to find the right ward you're just looking at signs pointing in the right direction <laughs> and that's just not fun for me um so yeah it's and, and also the the lack of characters is amazing like there are characters they don't have any personalities i couldn't describe what the main character is like from a persona perspective i know her stated goals and the actor is fine does a really you know perfectly good job of doing the acting and you know it's got all that facial capture stuff but uh just no characters no no mm. personalities to any of them so yeah it's good it's fun but there's a lot of caveats i add to that so i i feel like my differing opinion on it and obviously i'm a lot I've put a lot less time into it than you because I've been playing other stuff this week. But um, I fall into the camp where I absolutely loved Alan Wake for all of its cheesy nonsense. Um, a bit more than I enjoyed Quant Quantum Break. And that's not to say I didn't, you know, enjoy it. It just didn't grab me in that same way. Um, mm -hmm. when, when I hear Remedy, my brain jumps to Alan Wake. It doesn't jump to, 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 to Quantum Break. But Control, I've been really enjoying um, like, all of your criticisms are fair criticisms. I've just been really enjoying it as a very visually impressive sandbox in which to do cool combat stuff. That It's not as in-depth of a combat system as another game I'm going to talk about in a little bit today that I've been playing that's very stylish. But it's been nice to just sort of wander around this, this funky building doing cool-looking stuff. Yeah. Right now, it's a little bit above quantum break in my estimation we'll see whether it you know can keep that position the whole way through um totally agreed that like as much as i am stopping to read all that lore and enjoying doing it yeah I, I can understand the criticism of you know show more rather than telling um have you had a chance to play any of control ellen no sadly not because of traveling so i've had to like rely on uh switch games um but mm. it, it's something it looks so intriguing like i absolutely loved uh quantum break and it, it's it's sad to hear that the law is kind of like building up the world around it rather than reflecting it because one of the things that i loved about quantum break was uh like there were a lot of emails that really reflected what was happening um and also sometimes they meant that you didn't have to watch the telly episodes that they put in as well because that kind of filled <laughs> out the gaps um like but one of my favorite things was i found in an email was this guy was trying to get someone to do his show time stabber and then by the end of it you found that he'd done an entire video for a trailer and like and it was really funny because it completely reflected the story of the game. Um, and like, 
you you want that little injection of humor into a remedy game because they are really they're a funny bunch of people up there um like they they they're very good at putting in little like nods to their previous games as well like they love a, they love an easter egg at remedy um but yeah it looks it looks like something that is totally up my street um but yeah no i'm i'm still waiting to play on it yeah uh, there is one thing you have been playing this week oh, yes. that I've been I've been itching to talk about, um, and I know Jim's played a little bit of it. We'll leave him to the end because he's a bit of a naysayer. <laughs> how, how, how are you getting on with Astral Chain? Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, oh. I'm I'm an absolute sucker for platinum games at the best of times, anyway. And like th- this game is like like some people are saying that this is. Platinum's like best game ever. I would say that it's its cheesiest game ever. Like I, it's just like the whole cop situation. I am just like giggling to myself so much when all the the characters are interacting. I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, <laughs> but um, it's just like yeah, it is. It's amazing. It's pure cheese. I like uh the combat. Like when I first like booted up the game, I was like, is is this it? Is this really? It take mm. it takes a little while to actually get your legion your little guy on a chain to wrap things around and like so for the beginning bit you're just like running around hitting things feeling very very underpowered and i suppose they do that so that when you finally get the legion you're like yes i feel amazing Mm. um and you do but it is is this thing where it's just like okay look i've seen all of this cool stuff i want to just get to the cool stuff yeah. I, I don't need all of this exposition and also like the the beginning bit where they establish all these other characters i was like i know exactly what is going to happen to all of these characters in the next hour and i was completely right i was like this person's going to be disappeared within the next 25 minutes yep they're gone <laughs> you know it, it it was it's a little bit i uh, on the nose with some things like a little bit predictable but once i got the legion once i was running around chaining things it was great i found sometimes with the controls like um the, you have the ability to like move your legion around independently of you mm. and i kept I kept pressing the wrong button because you use the camera button to move them around so i kept trying to use like my movement stick instead of the legion movement stick which was the camera so it was it was a little bit confusing at times um but once you kind of get used to it it's great and i do aside from the actual fighting in the game i do really like all the little side quests that you do um like there's one um like a really silly one to give you an idea of like platinum's style of humor uh, for anyone who's never played a platinum game is you can go and use the police toilets and then once you've used the bathroom it gives you the option to pick up a bit of tissue like keep a bit of tissue with you and you're like okay yeah maybe i'll need this later on and then there's someone in the stall next to you like who's like is that the bathroom fairy i need some toilet paper and you're like this is so weird yes have some toilet paper I, oh cool i got some xp for that or whatever <laughs> yeah it it was it's very silly and charming i i did not expect to enjoy the non-combat parts of that game as much as i did but i've been having a lot of fun just going and doing these weird silly goofy side quests yeah yeah i i totally understand your point about the combat like I think they were a little afraid of maybe overwhelming players with too much to learn too quickly out the gate. Yeah. I think it's why, for example, when you look at something like Devil May Cry 5, you start playing as a character that you already know from the past games. Mm-hmm. We wait until a few hours in to introduce to you the character that has the weird system where 
the character you control and the character you attack as are two separate places on the map. Yeah. There was a lot of similarities. It felt like trying to learn how to play V in Devil May Cry 5 with trying to learn how to play this, and I understand why they didn't want to drop you into the midst of that straight away. But yeah, until you get to like the end of, not the introductory mission, but like the first big proper mission you go on where... Ah, here's the setup. You are the only person that can save the world now because of events. Mm-hmm. Like, until you get to then, there is a certain degree in that opening mission of I'm leaving my 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 legion to auto attack, and I can sort of do some hits too, but I feel like I'm really not adding much at all. Yeah. Um, but that definitely improves vastly. Like, I think a lot of it is they want you to just get familiar with This is how I move myself. This is how I position my legion. This is how I manage the two of us as two separate entities. Okay, you got that down. Here's how you chain them up. Here's how you leap to them. Here's how you leap to them and then pull yourself onto them to do an attack. There's so many interesting uses of that chain that I just keep digging into. Yeah. What One of the really early ones is if an enemy's charging at you, you go one way, your legion goes the other, and you basically... It's like in wrestling when you throw someone against the rope and they bounce off. Yeah. Um, the sort of, oh, you missed your target, now's our chance to attack you. Um, yeah, I've been getting real deep into this game's combat mechanics, and while I initially wrote it off as quite simplistic, now that I am doing, like, a lot of my combat pacing is built around deliberately don't have my, my legion out, wait until someone's about to attack me, do a perfect dodge, use that to go straight into a legion combo attack. Uh, Once you start getting those manual abilities for the legion that you can activate when you choose to, rather than leaving them to attack Mm -hmm. as and when. Um, I think think the, the ability that really sold me on, like, the interesting stuff in this combat system is for the sword legion, I unlocked an ability where you basically leave it to do a combo by itself unchained from you. Right. And I didn't find that super interesting until I realised once you've unchained the Sword Legion, you can swap to a different Legion and have a second Legion out at once. What? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. If, if you if you use the unchain move, you can then switch to a second Legion. I was like, oh, oh, this opens things up now, I see. Yeah, this changes everything. <laughs> uh, there is a Legion that I can wear, like a suit of armour, yeah. and that got me very excited. <laughs> and your legs, like, dangle out the bottom. Yeah. It's quite adorable. Uh you're right that the plot is it's predictable anime nonsense but also i'm not coming to this to be surprised by the no plot. exactly to, just, to watch the anime spectacle yeah like, it's it's the plot's kind of derivative of a lot of stuff like there's a lot of common rider stuff going on there's a lot of evangelion mm-hmm. uh, a lot of evangelion in this oh i think there's actually um because my friend luke who i work with he's also been playing the game and we did a live stream and our, our um our channel colors are purple and green and so he he'd made his legion uh purple and green because you can change the color but he was like i think this is from that anime (laughs) yeah the the first color scheme for the legions i unlocked was like oh this is the evangelion color scheme okay um but just it's cheesy and it's nonsense and i'm having a blast with it yeah like i don't want to put it down like i keep going back to old levels to go and find the cats that i miss so i can go have my little cat yeah sanctuary. i love finding the cats it's great and yeah and the music in it 
as well oh. is outstanding because you've got like yeah it, you listen to it and it's like bits and pieces from like all of the past like the styles it's like from all past uh platinum games like there was one bit mm. i was running around and it was just like near automata there's one bit i was running around and it was just like bayonetta and i was like this is great this is great the visuals as well like i was really impressed by like this game has a really solid look and a really nice vision for its its cyber future. Mm-hmm. I really liked all the cell shading stuff they were doing with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they've got really interesting ideas for how to make their tech look futuristic that were really nice. I just can't get enough of it. Yeah. One other thing, more than other Platinum games, I kind of like that as you're going through the first time, you can very clearly see where, where when when you have all these other things later in the game, it's like... This is where you're going to be able to go off and do other parts, and here's... We're just going to keep peppering reasons for you to do a second playthrough. Yeah. And, like, I'm already... I'm already thinking about the fact I'm going to play this a second time, which I don't usually do with... You know, I... I, A bit of a heathen, I'm usually one of those people that will finish a Platinum game and go, Yeah, I feel like I've seen it now. Yeah. I feel like this might be the one that I, I... do a second time no no it's it's really fun um the funny thing as well that is like depending on the twin that you choose um like your character remains silent pretty much the whole time and it, yeah. it's it's a bit weird to have a fully voiced sibling when your character's just like huh and stuff like yeah. that yeah and i i kind of wish that they hadn't gone that route yeah. because platinum i tend to really love platinum's protagonists like um I thought 2B was an interesting great. protagonist. Uh, Bayonetta's yeah. fantastic. Like, I I want a Platinum Games protagonist. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to... Like, I, I appreciated being able to customise my appearance, but give me a set name and have my character do voice acting. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, great game, I think. Yeah. How deep into it are you at the moment? I'm still, like, fairly early on. Um, my friend Luke's gone, like, further along with it. So I've, like, seen further into the game. Um, and we streamed a bit while we were... We I've just got back from PAX West and we actually streamed a bit there. Um, mm. But if you don't want any major spoilers, don't watch that stream because we unknowingly <laughs> were like, oh, here's a big story bit right at the end. So... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it, it does a bit of that, doesn't it? Where it's just... There are major story beats that happen in places where I didn't expect them to. Yeah, just constantly. And you're like, oh, wow, okay. You know. The the whole thing right near the beginning, and I'm going to stay very vague here, mm-hmm. where your whole team of five goes into that portal and then events occur. Stuff happens, yeah. I, I did not expect that to be such an early game thing. I thought that's like, oh, that's, that's your... I expected that to be a much... This is platinum, though. Their their plots go ludicrously escalating. Yeah. Like, you, th- you think you know where they're going. It's like, nope, they're going to get there 10 minutes in and just keep shooting past. Yeah, no. Uh, it's just like, I, I'm like kind of slowly chipping my way through the game and just like, oh, okay, I thought this was going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. And yeah. Yeah. So. I, I'm excited to see where it's going. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is the most a switch game has really grabbed my attention in a while it's yeah. like demanded to be played through yeah uh what about you jim you've you've played a little bit of this and you weren't so sold were you <laughs> <laughs> um i tell you what you both convinced me to give it another chance yeah i'll give it another go cuz i love platinum games and i just i i Maybe I was just in a bad mood but it was irritating the piss out of me how how deep in were you i didn't get very far okay I, I'm juggling a whole bunch of games, some of which I can't yeah. talk about at the moment. I can't, I, oh, I can't share my opinions on Blasphemous, but I really want to. Mm. Um, 
but I, it might have been that I was playing games like River City Girls and Blasphemous at the same time, and I'm like, there's only so much yeah. of being annoyed at a game, even if it's a game I'm enjoying, that I can take, mm-hmm. and I may not have been in the right mood for it. But what was throwing me at the beginning was um, normally when platinum tele- like when a, an enemy in a platinum game telegraphs an attack, I dodge. Mm. In this, every time they telegraphed an attack, I dodged. But then they attacked, mm. and there was this delay. It was almost like the 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 telegraph for a dodge was a more of a telegraph of get ready to dodge in anywhere between one and three seconds, and it it's thrown me off the, the the whole thing. That that definitely lessens considerably as you get in. Like that feels like a design choice they made for. We're going to overly telegraph early enemies so that people who aren't used to the idea of, ah, that signifies an attack is coming. And that did take a little bit to get over. Like, having persisted with it, that's not been an issue for me. Like, I am consistently, like, getting good ranks in fights and not taking hits unnecessarily. Like, it is, you just have to get a, get over that hump and get a feel for what its its pacing is. But it definitely, it does less of that. Once you get past, say, the end of... Once you get into the second proper mission, it it definitely lessens on that. I'll give it another try then, because I was at the point where I'm like, my patience and general good mood was not going to be worth whatever I'd get out of playing it enough to do, like, video coverage on it or anything. Um, so I'll give it another try and see. Yeah. It's it's a real shame to hear hear you feel that way, because it's, like... I like platinum games. This is, this is the like. Obviously, I've not finished it. And that might it, it might change over time. But like right now, I am enjoying it moment to moment as much as any of platinum's greats. Like it's it's feeling right up there for me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm I'm definitely gonna have to try it again because I don't yeah. I don't want to be left out if people are saying that it's one of the best platinum games because. The only platinum game I don't like was the uh, the turtles one. That was the only one I didn't like. That turtle one wasn't great. You know, Nero Automata was one of my favourite games. That probably one of my easily actually among my favourite games this generation. Mm. There are moments in this that really remind me of Nero Automata in terms of like platinum moving away from just making games that are combat, 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 combat. That's all we're doing: combat cutscene, combat cutscene. It. It reminded me of Near Automata in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I've that has helped me feel really positive about it. Um Yeah. Other gamey stuff. So when we record this, there's a Nintendo Direct that will have aired by the time that people listen to this episode, but it hasn't aired yet. Um so you'd think we wouldn't really be able to talk about any announcements, Robert, but we kind of can because of the magic of knowing things. Uh Jim, Deadly Premonition on Switch. They've acquiesced to my demands. They have acquiesced to your demands. I've been demanding it for so long. Last night I gave them 24 hours uh, to acquiesce to my demands, and they will. Your your 24 hours, (laughs) it seems, will, will have been accurate, it seems. Maybe closer to forty-eight hours. I'm 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 getting everything I want. Yeah. I'm gonna get drunk with power. I uh, <laughs> I've I've already learned that I'm responsible for Aliens vs Predator being on that Capcom home arcade. <laughs> uh, there was some interview where the the one of the people working on it said that it was me and someone else. They said they'd watch where we bang on incessantly about getting a, a copy of ABP again. 
and they're putting it on. So I'm taking total credit for that. Uh, everyone's welcome. Yeah. Yet again, I've done the industry of service. <laughs> so for anyone who's for anyone who's not played Deadly Premonition, because it's been a while since it's that the best game, game came of all out. time. It, it originally came out in what 2010. Um, it's a it's a sweary game. Yeah. It's it's not one of his most polished games. I'll say that. I I wouldn't want it to be. Yeah. I wouldn't want it to be. It's one of those. You ever you, you know that episode of The Simpsons where they take Mr. Burns in for a physical. And they mention that his body is this delicate balance of diseases and sicknesses. <laughs> that if just one of them went out of like went missing, the whole thing would fall apart. That's deadly premonition. Is everything yeah. is bad in such a perfectly balanced way? It's a work of exquisite art. Yeah, like I was looking at the Wikipedia page for it today, knowing we were going to talk about it, and there's a quote that I think really sums up why that game's kind of great. Um, and it was talking about the director's cut for the PS3. It said um, it corrects some of the the director's cut um, corrects some of the original's flaws, but others are left untouched, just as you'd want it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, there 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 are very few games that people would go. Yeah, but you don't want to fix that thing, though, because that, that broken bit's why it's great. <laughs> yeah, everything about it is just broken enough. It's a perfect storm of, of nonsense. I described it in my original review of one of the more notable things. Certainly the most notable positive thing I've ever done was my review of Deadly Premonition, where I described it as watching two clowns eating each other. <laughs> it's bizarre and horrific, but you just need to keep watching it. You just need to to know how that ends, and it's God. I I've wanted that game on Switch ever since I decided the Switch was the best thing in the world. <laughs> so I'm so happy. It's one of those games that, like, I I put it in the same sort of category as the original No More Heroes, where it's like, I love it. It's bad, and I have to give caveats because it's bad, but I love it, and it's great. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not always a well-made game. It's the most confident 10 out of 10 I've ever given a game back when I was doing scores. Because I realised it had to get either a 1 or a 10. There's nothing in between for it. No. And I wasn't... I, I damn as well sure was not going to give it a 1. Yeah. You, you could go, it's the best 1 out of 10 I have ever played. Yeah, important question, uh, Jim. Uh, have you ever had a Sinner Sandwich? Uh, I've not had a Sinner Sandwich, but I did oversee a Sinner Sandwich competition. Amazing. We got in huge amounts of trouble um, one year at PAX. I was with um, Destructoid at the time, and I oversaw Destructoid Live at PAX. We were in one of their bigger, I think it was like the Unicorn Theatre, one of their bigger um, rooms where they do talks and panels and stuff. And we ruined it. Oh, no. Like, we, we ruined the theatre. They had oh. to dig up carpet because we had the Sinner Sandwich competition. We had all the ingredients on a table and two people came out of the audience and competed to make it. So everything that's in a Sinner Sandwich went everywhere. I can't even remember what's in it now, but various sauces and... Turkey, strawberry jam and cereal. Yeah. There we are. So, yeah, we had turkey, strawberry jam and cereal everywhere. We also had something involving red velvet cake. Oh. <laughs> and uh, that ended up on the floor. Yeah. And that was made worse by the fact that I worked with Sega at that um, show to have a breakdancing competition with Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and unfortunately, that breakdancing competition took place 
on the red velvet cake. It was sort of worth it when the person in the Sonic suit did this amazing breakdancing move and incorporated scooping up a handful of cake and (laughs) serving it to me. That was incredible. (laughs) But after me, you know, pretending to have a comedy heart attack on the floor and rolling around in red velvet cake and both of us just stamping it into the carpet... I'm surprised we were ever allowed back. There was talk that uh, we may not have been, but I think they relented in the end because we were allowed back eventually. But yeah. Yeah, Deadly Premonition is weird as fuck. Yep. Like, we we don't at this moment know like exactly when it's coming or if they've fixed anything else up from the PS3 version or, you know, a- any of that nonsense. But as, as long as it's not being charged a ridiculous price for, like... If you're looking for something weird and eccentric that you can look at and go, how the fuck did this ever exist? I'm so happy. Yeah. Like, this is worth a look. I still remember the first night I played it. I just, at first I did, I I tried to find it. I had to hunt various GameStops to find a copy. And one GameStop had it, like, behind the desk. Mm. They didn't even bother putting it on shelves. Um, So I, I, I bought it, took it home. Me and the wife were, like, playing it. I played it for a while. And I did not know what to make of it. The opening is weird. Of course, it's well, obviously it's weird. But it's by the scary. time, yeah, by the time we get to that now famous scene uh, where that's set in the the hotel um, dining room with that brilliant "Life Is Beautiful" song playing, the kazoo and the whistle, um, this strange conversation had between a woman who can't hear and Agent York Morgan who's on the other side of a long table for no reason and he's yelling at her and and he can't hear uh, she can't hear him and also the camera <laughs> the the in-game camera picks up the audio so half the time you can't hear what they're saying either and it's not supposed to be that way but I wouldn't want to change it sometimes the music is too loud to hear what's going on but it just adds to it Leading, of course, to FK and the coffee and, and every, all the memes that came from that. I, I, the moment I wrapped that scene up, I was like, I, I, I understand now what a good game is. And I have <laughs> finally found it. I have found the good game. It's quite a thing. Thing of beauty. Thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, I love the Switch, um, which is no secret now. And anything I like, I want it on the Switch. And I, yeah. I demand all the things I like on the Switch. And Deadly yeah. Premonition, of course, is one of one of the games I'm most famous for liking. The Switch is the only console where I've ever been this excited about ports of games that I never re- that I right? that I could have gone back and played elsewhere. But I'm like, no, no, I don't want to yeah. replay. Oh, it's on the Switch. Yes. Because uh, the other one of these that's that's popped up ahead of the Direct actually airing is uh, Overwatch is getting a port to Switch in like six weeks. Now I'm going to be very interested to see how that works out. I love Overwatch mechanically. Um, you know, I feel like to a certain degree, like I'm probably not going to let myself play this anyway because fucking loot boxes and whatnot. But yeah. I games of this nature where it's short online matches that I can pick up and put down over half an hour at lunch... Like, I I wouldn't have played Fortnite if it hadn't been on Switch. I feel like this is in that same camp where being able to just very quickly boot it up over lunch, play a couple of rounds and chuck it back down without thinking too much mm-hmm. is going to get a lot of people back on that game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Paladins worked great on it, so, yeah. Yeah, no, Overwatch is, like, a brilliant game to just jump in and out of and, like 
Switch as well also has the great like recording feature. Uh, so you can get all those, you know, mm. play of the games and stuff and get that and share that online very easily if you want to. Uh, it. I love I love the Switch so much. Just like anyone who's like, yeah. what what sh- what game console should I buy? And I'm like, well, right now, just yeah. get a Switch. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I really hope that that video capture snippet feature is supported because you know what was the thing that got me to stop playing Fortnite on Switch? It was when they, in an update, decided to disable the video recording functionality for that game. And I had my moment of, yeah, you can't record video footage on the Switch version anymore. Rubbish. Uh, they, They decided that having that ability was slightly negatively impacting the performance, so they were like, ah, it's okay, we'll get rid of it so it runs better. And I was like, if I get if I get that number one spot, I'm not going to be able to just hit a button and have video and go, oh, I did it for like the fourth time ever. That's what the share button was invented for, was for moments yeah. like that. And Fortnite is, yeah, like that. Oh, that's you can still grab a screenshot, but it's just not the same as being able to grab like, no. here is the final 30 seconds that led up to my victory captured really easily and thrown on Twitter. Oh, I hope it works in Overwatch. Because yeah. it's just so cool when you get those moments. You're like, here, here was the time that I was good for this game for about five seconds. <laughs> like, please appreciate me. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you put five or six of those tweets out over a year, you can make it look like you're good at video exactly. games. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, oh, the gaming stuff this week. Jim, you played a bit of that Blair Witch game. Yeah. How are you getting on with that? I like Blair Witch. It was probably the best thing I've played from Bloober Team uh, ever. Yeah, we... We, we talked about this in the Lost episode slightly, yeah. but I have a weird um, bit of knowledge with Bloober Team. Uh, they, I, I got flown out for Destructoid to go visit Bloober Team in Poland once, and they showed me a terrible... I think it's called Layers of Fear. It was a terrible horror-themed Bomberman clone. Layers of Fear is the... Um, oh, not, la- not Layers of is Fear. What their is their horror game. It's Basement Crawlers or Basement something? Crawl- Basement Crawl, yes. Wrong fucking Bloober Team game. Uh, the Bomberman clone... Uh, I believe it I believe it ended up getting a 2 out of a Tetron Destructoid, and that's... Uh, yeah, I doubt that's what they were hoping for when they were like, oh yeah, come out to Poland, come see our game. I was like, it's shit, it's not good, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to hear they've made something that isn't a 2 out of 10 piece of shit. Yeah, because the Layers of Fear games, both of them showcase that Bloober Team likes horror and clearly has a, a, a genuine fondness for it. They're not just trying to like capitalize on it, but genuinely like playing around with horror game tropes and stuff. And neither of them were all that good. They were always on the cusp of being something really good. And Blair Witch is still janky, still a bit cheap um, in terms of, you know, the way it's put together, sort of cheap and cheerful as is Bloomer's uh, MO. But it's, a, it's way more creative than it could have gotten away with getting. Um, they could have just copied Outlast, really. Um, Blair Witch is a found footage movie, and the Blair Witch Project is, a, is one of the one of the most influential found footage movies. Um, gives the game the right to copy Outlast's camera mechanic and just say, "Well, you know, we're working with with the granddaddy of found footage movies, so." we've got a right to copy that but they didn't do that they didn't just let you film stuff like it was a found footage movie the cameras have 
a totally different in-game function. You find cameras, you find red cassettes, uh, play them, and when you look on the footage, you can pause it at certain points, and that'll affect the world outside. So, for example, just a really easy example, you see a closed door, if you find a cassette and you see someone opening that door in the, the footage, you pause it when the door is open, and then the door is open in real life. Um, but they don't they don't even harp on that mechanic too much. That is interlaced throughout the course of the game, but there are other clever things they do around that, such as not being able to look at monsters because if you look at them, they will freak out and attack you. So you look on the ground and you're using the viewfinder in the camera to look and the viewfinder is only in like the corner of the screen. So you can't see what's happening. You can only look in the little screen while moving forward and trying not to walk into enemies. And it it's not a scary game, but it's a tense game. Um, they really nailed the tension really well. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Nice. And the dog is fun. It's the dog is fun. I won't say anything about the dog because I know yeah. the moment you see a dog in a video game, everyone's like, "Will the dog die?" <laughs> I will say you can pet the dog. Oh, good. That was my first question. <laughs> oh, can I just say you can pet the dog in Astral Chain? Yes, you can. Yeah. Oh, good. You can you can pet the the interdimensional alien dog, and it it is it it takes very good pets. <laughs> there we are. Um, so yeah, Blair Witch is cool. I played Man of Medan. I know you, you've spoken about Man of Medan a lot. Yeah, I we we yeah. How how are you feeling about Man of Medan? Yeah, me and Justin played it. Did you play it online co-op? Yes. Okay. Yes, I I I insisted on playing that the the way that seemed to be the the optimal way. Yeah. Um, so I had Justin on Facebook Messenger. We had a voice call going, and that was fun because whenever you play the parts of Man of Medan where you are in totally different areas and don't know what the other one's doing. I can still hear noises coming out of the call and I can hear Justin saying things like, oh, I fucked up. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. You're going to find out I've done something wrong. Oh, shit. Oh, wait, no, I was pressing that button. No, I pressed that button. This is bullshit. It was great. Uh, which which characters did you get to play as? Do you do you remember? I had to, I eventually had a go of every single one. Yeah. The, the story took me through playing at least a little scene of each one. Yeah. Um, I think I played Conrad the least. Hmm. Um, and I, I spent most of the game as uh, Fliss, the, the captain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm impressed with it. I, I realise a lot of people... Or, or I'll say it's been very divisive. Uh, some people have been very disappointed with it. Um, but I really think it's one of those games where you can have a totally different experience based on how you played it. Um, because there are three ways to play. You can play it on your own, you can play it with a group of people in the same room passing the controller around, or you can play it two-player online. And it seems like two-player online is the way to play it. Mm. Yeah, like, we, we talked about this last week on the episode we lost, and at this at that point I'd played it, but Jim hadn't. And I was a real big proponent to Jim. I was like, Jim, I know you're not a big online gaming person. Go play this horror game in online co-op, because, like... Usually, I did not think that would be how I would enjoy this game. Um, again, for anyone who's not played it, it's it's a horror game from the people that did Until Dawn, which is a choice-based horror game. This one's a lot shorter. It's somewhere in the three to six hour range, depending on how you play. You can play all in the same room by passing the controller around. You can play it solo. Or the most interesting way, as Jim was saying, you can play it in online co-op. And there are moments where you will go and do a completely different scene to the other player 
taking, you know, split party off going doing different things. And that gets really interesting in that sometimes the game will deliberately fuck with you because it because you don't have the same information that your other player has. And that will sometimes create some really interesting scenes where either you are perceiving an event in two very different ways or with very different amounts of context. Mm -hmm. Um there is one moment in particular that I had in my playthrough that I don't wanna I don't wanna get too specific about, but um there was one moment where because I wasn't communicating with the other person I was playing with, I made an action that caused a character to get killed, and in hindsight, the fact that I only had the knowledge that the character I was playing with had, and I didn't have any external like I wasn't, you know, god moding this playing as every character knowing everything there was to know created a really fun cool horror moment mm. yeah there's a there's a lot of tension in co-op play even if you are like you know we were talking on voice and sharing some mm. stuff because there was no reason not to i i would like actually on on that topic i would like future games in this dark pictures anthology they're doing mm. i'd like a few where maybe you're not all playing bunch of, like multiple characters with the same goal mm. i would be very interested in having two fixed characters that end up with different goals where it actually behooves you not to share everything with the other player Ooh. okay i'll say this depending on what choices you make there is at least one set of choices that can lead to that being the case right there, there, there were hints of it in my playthrough but it never came up in my playthrough there was an explicit moment where one character was like one player was watching a scene and going no no don't do that and the other player was going, of course I'm going to do that. Why wouldn't I? Right. Oh, yeah, there were moments like that. But I mean, like, yeah. I want I want some skullduggery. Uh. I want some conspiracy. I want, uh, <laughs> I want, I want one where, because I assume they're going to try different tones, different... Yeah. They're going to play with this concept in future Dark Anthologies. The opening cutscenes seem to imply that maybe we get might get something based on Silent Hill. We might get something based around something like The Ring. Uh, we know what the next one's going to be. Um, early 2020, probably about six months out or so. Uh, it's one about a creepy village in the middle of nowhere with some maybe sort of yeah, cult... Yeah, a little hope. Yeah, a little, a little hope. Um, sort of, oh no, you've accidentally stumbled into a slightly culty, creepy village in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Perfect weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really up for this approach from Supermassive, basically just taking a formula that already works and applying it to different horror genres. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've still yet to get everyone out alive through Man of Medan, and... It's short enough that I feel compelled that I am coming back and I think I've I've done like four playthroughs of it already. It's it's about 6 hours if you play it solo because you are playing all of the scenes and it it's maybe more like three and a half hours if you play it co-op because there are big sections where you go off and do separate things uh, and you don't see certain scenes at all but yeah I I'm a real big proponent of Man of Medan and particularly of suggesting go play it in co-op first if you can yeah I really liked it I can only assume the people who really didn't like it didn't play it that way and I'm not going to say they're wrong for that because you know the game lives by the sword and dies by the sword if you if you make a game that reliant on co-op but you give someone the solo feature mm. and it's also the kind of game that 
ge people generally expect to play on their own, then it's on you as a, as a game if people don't like it. Particularly because the game that preceded it, Until Dawn, was a single-player-only game. So yeah. a lot of people will have enjoyed that and go, yep, I'm ready for my next single-player supermassive game. I want to go back and play it. I want to go back and do Until Dawn. I honestly think, like, after you've played it through in co-op, it's worth doing single-player because you will suddenly see all these scenes you didn't before and there's a whole bunch of just extra context that is really interesting. Yeah, I'm I I I really dug uh Man of Medan. Yeah. But I would I would say if anyone does want to try it like if you can go for the co-op version because it just i i could imagine myself being a little bit more disappointed with it if i started playing it solo mm. uh the the local couch co-op is good at, is decent enough as well um it basically formalizes what people did with until dawn anyway where it's like pass the control around players whoever will you know take it in turns right um the thing that it does that's nice is it, you can divvy up who in the room will play as which characters, which gives you more of a sense of ownership over your character and their, their nice. goals and aims, which is nice. Um, and then it gives you these little breakdowns at the end of scenes where it'll be like, this person made the most decisions based on their heart. This person made the most decisions based on logic. This person got the most people killed. Just little factoids about how you've been playing that are quite nice. Conrad's an arsehole. Oh, there's some really nice co-op bits. One thing I did want to mention about that co-op, while I remember, is if you want a hint about what's going on in the story, both you and your online co-op companion have to be in agreement. Yep. Or you don't get a hint. Oh, that's good. And if you don't, if you're not in agreement, the the narrator bloke admonishes you really sternly. He hates it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should have agreed. Well, you're going to fuck up, aren't you? That's what I felt like he was saying to me. He's basically like, oh, you two aren't on the same wavelength. Good luck getting out of here alive if you yeah. don't know what you want as a pair. <laughs> He's an arse and I love him. Yeah. Um, my favourite story that has come from this is a friend telling me that, like, basically they were playing co-op, but they weren't talking over voice chat or anything. Mm. And, uh, like, they screwed up. And when they got back together, it was just them trying to pretend that everything was fine and they didn't do anything wrong. So I think there's a lot of like fun to come from the co-op with that. I'm pretty sure 100% I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. that is... That is the scene that I'm really, like, that I had that was really interesting because I didn't talk to the other co-op person. Yeah. Like, I think there's something really interesting to be gained by just genuinely not knowing what the other person's doing or or... Being able to hide what you've done from them mm -hmm. can be real fucking interesting. Other things this week, uh, I've got a couple of games I'm going to rattle off very quickly. Um, I played some of Telling Lies, which is the new game by Sam Barlow, who is the Her Story developer. Ooh. Yeah, so this new game, mechanically it's basically the same concept. It's you have a database, you search for words, you watch video clips. Um, the way this differentiates itself is that it's a much broader narrative. Uh, you've got four characters. It's a very different genre and you've got four people's plots you're trying to follow as opposed to just one person. You only get one half of a video call. Like these are all clips from private video call conversations and you only see one person's webcam half. So like you will hear them talking. You won't hear what the other person's response is and then they'll start talking again, which leaves you with some really interesting trying to fill in the gaps and guess at what might have been said to try and find the other half of a conversation. That's something that, that is definitely new compared to her story. Tonally, it feels very different to play. 
Her story, I didn't feel too intrusive watching these video clips, because they're, you know, they're police interrogation clips, the person knows they're being interviewed by the police, they know they're on video. These are all much more personal private moments. Um, I keep comparing it to a normal lost phone, which was a game about rooting through someone's phone to work out what's going on in their life, and it feels like you're invading someone's privacy, and it feels like you're seeing things that maybe you're not supposed to see, they were never really meant for your eyes, which can be a bit uncomfortable at times, I feel like that was a deliberate choice on their part, but um, it feels like it's a much more complicated narrative to follow. I, I ended up playing this a lot more like the way I played Return of the Obra Dinn, in that I was keeping physical notebooks and much more strictly organised notes to try and tie together these interwoven stories. I was really satisfied with the, with the end result of the narrative, it didn't feel like it was retreading ground too much. If you enjoyed her story's like brand of, or method of telling a narrative, this is another good narrative in that same sort of structure. So I, I think it's worth checking out if you enjoyed her story. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the only other thing I've played this week is I've been messing around with the Oculus Quest which is that uh, wireless VR headset from Oculus. Um, doesn't require like a phone stuck in or, or anything, it is just a standalone VR headset. And I've been really impressed with it. I really like VR. I'm one of those people who wants like, who's been a bit of an early adopter on VR even when the tech's not really th there yet. My big problems with VR in the past have been cumbersome setup, big cables, uh, the tripods required to do proper room scale stuff, uh, a lot of these are big barriers, obviously price is a big barrier, you need an expensive headset and an expensive computer and whatnot. I feel like this solves a lot of, of the problems with VR. Um, so it's a room scale VR thing where you can sort of walk around and interact in 3D space and it puts up sort of guide boundaries so you don't, you know, walk into your sofa and anything. But it doesn't rely on like tripods and sensors around the room. It entirely works based on cameras on the front of the headset. Yeah, it's super clever. Yeah, you just sort of trace around where the like the the boundaries of the room are. You put your controller on the floor and it remembers the the room layout you've done. So like I've gone and played in other places and come back to my living room like a while later and it's gone, oh yeah, we remember what your living room's like, here's where your boundary lines are, correct? And it's like, yeah, no, that's that's the boundary lines. It's been really accurate, it hasn't drifted out the way or anything. Visually, it looks nicer than the PSVR in terms of screen quality, it's got stuff for like moving your lenses closer and further apart so you can get them better in focus. The controllers are really nice, very responsive. It, it's basically just fuss-free VR. Like, it's you hold down a button for two seconds and it's running and it just sort of works. The easiest time I've had setting up proper good room scale VR, I've been having a lot of fun with stuff like Beat Saber, uh, I played through a game called Virtual Virtual Reality today, which took about 90 minutes. It had real good portal uh, humour vibes to it. Yeah, it's still 400 quid. Uh, and that's still like... Yeah. Here's the thing. 400 quid is still a pricey investment. Like, that's about what you'd be paying to get a PlayStation 4 and a VR headset. And even then, like, you can use the PS4 for other things. And I've got criticisms of it, like, the big issue right now is the library for the Oculus Quest isn't amazing. There's a lot of really cool VR games on the Vive, where I, or, or on PSVR, where I'm like, oh, can I can I pick that, that game up? Oh no, that one's not on Oculus Quest yet, because um, it's only been out a couple of weeks. The prices of software are not necessarily comparable to what they would be on Steam, they're a little pricier. Mm. So like... 
money is still a factor. But there is something really nice and freeing about being able to do VR without cables. Yeah. The screen quality is definitely there. It's a really nicely made headset. It's got really good directional sound, even if you've not got headphones in, uh, that's not too loud to the rest of the room. It it seems to be sort of vibrating into your head rather than your ears somehow, but um, it's a really lovely user experience. If you've got 400 quid kicking around and you're like, I want to play a limited selection of VR games uh, in room scale without having to set up tripods, but I've I've got the money to do that. Yeah, because um, we actually have played it on uh, Outside Extra. Uh, Mike and Luke, two of my friends, played uh, Super Hot. Yes, yeah. We recorded it as well. It was also like from a video creator's perspective, it was very nice and easy to record as well. Mm. Um, but it it was really like they were able to like roll around and be as silly as possible in this game that really does encourage you to be like a ninja and throwing things around. Mm. Um, One problem was that in Super Hot anyway, when you have the option of throwing things, it doesn't read an arc to your hand. So it is. it comes from that thing where it's originally mapped to a button and it would just shoot it straight forward. So Mm. whenever they would throw something, it would always just go in the completely wrong angle to what they wanted you have to you have to sort of paper airplane things in super hot a bit yeah exactly yeah yeah but otherwise they had a lot of fun with it but i think i think that's a super hot specific issue more yeah. than it is the console um yeah completely yeah as as someone that like i really fucking enjoyed super hot vr on 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 playstation vr but I never finished it mm. because the, like, yeah, there is something just really nice about getting rid of the cables from a VR headset. Mm-hmm. It suddenly frees you up to feel just a lot less encumbered and to just get more into what you're playing. Yeah. I think I'm going to struggle a little bit to go back to cabled VR after this. Um, You know, stuff like Tetris Effect, uh, you know, where sat down experiences, still great, still fine. I do feel like I've been spoiled now that I've been able to play something like Super Hot you know, cutting bullets out of thin air without having to think about where is this cable that's trailing across the room that I might trip over. Yeah. VR definitely feels like it's getting there. Like, this is one of those experiences where I I played with it for for a few days and went, if you could get the price of this down to maybe a third of where it is now, which, give give it a decade or so, I'm sure that will be the case, VR will reach a point where it'll be easy to set up and affordable and no wires and it's going to be great. And this does feel like a glimpse at that. By the time VR is convenient and affordable and reasonable and good, I will be long dead. And I've gotten used to that fact. It'll happen one day, but I will be dead. Cold in the ground, worms meet. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm hoping that they'll eventually just work out a way of making it a lot cheaper because it's fun and it's, uh, it's one of these experiences I'm very privileged to be able to do it as part of my job. Um, yeah, and it's just like this thing you you just want to be like, oh, it's so good, and I want you to try. Like one one of my favorite VR experiences is Moss, and I want everyone to play Moss in VR because oh. it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, but it's still it's still that just that bit too pricey for most people. For for anyone that's not seen Moss, it's a sort of v, it's a platformer that you view in in virtual reality of this little tiny little mouse that does sign language and it's adorable and perfect and I love Moss. Mm-hmm. Such a good game. But um yeah, VR is at that point where people who get to try it go, 
this is fab. Yeah. Until they hear the price. Like, my mum frequently asks if I will bring my VR setup back to her house because, like, when I used to live nearer to my parents, she would invite her friends from work and go, oh, Laura, do you mind bringing the VR around so that I can show people from work? And, like, this is a woman who doesn't really play video games. Yeah. It's gonna reach a point one day where people are gonna be super excited about it, whether they care about games or not, but it's... That price is still the sticking factor. Yeah, I think weirdly enough, I think VR is very accessible in terms of how it works, mm. but it's so inaccessible with the price. It's such a shame. It's that yeah. you know, if only the two, like if only could just you know, the one could come down to reach uh, the other. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Like I, I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, the 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 Vive when it first came out, that was about what three years ago now. I think somewhere mm-hmm. in the two to three years ago range. That was seven hundred pounds at launch was cabled, required a very modern PC to run, mm. and had all those, those you know, base stations all around the room. This is about half the price. It's all built into the headset, so you don't need a computer as well. Like, in a few years, it's come on leaps and bounds, so I don't doubt it will get there. Yeah, is that is that everything we want to talk about this week? Or has anyone got anything else they want to want to discuss before we wrap up? Mmm! Mmm! Chamberlain friend or girlfling? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done. The only other thing I've been playing this week is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and no one needs to hear about that game ever. Oh, pe- <laughs> pe- uh, Peggy, they saw that trailer where there's a slot machine for loot boxes in that NBA game, and they go, we don't think that's teaching kids to gamble, you know, using a slot machine. That's not teaching them how gambling machines work. Mm. Yeah, I saw that response. I tweeted it out because a bunch of people sent it to me, and it looks like there's... It has to be a tutorial. It basically has to, yeah, like teach them how to place a bet for real money, but because it's for virtual currency. It's basically a very toothless response, and it, it, it shows how game companies have been getting away with doing gambling in all but name. Because at this point, that's all it is. It's a semantics argument now. And it's based on existing definitions of what gambling are yeah. that haven't caught up to the technology. And even the Gambling Commission in the UK, while saying that loot boxes aren't gambling, pretty much said, but it kind of should be, and there should be something in place to keep an eye on this and, and have some potential restrictions on this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Peggy is basically, they're stuck by these rigid definitions they have and game companies know to walk right up to that line mm. and stay there. Yeah. Doing everything except the one little thing they'd have to do in order to, you know, get slapped with the actual name of gambling. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. Like, you look at Peggy's statement, a video game that gets the gambling content descriptor, uh, if it contains moving images that encourage and or teach the use of games of chance that are played or carried out uh, as a traditional means of gambling. Um... Like, that sounds like what was in that trailer. Here is a flashing shot machine. You pull the handle to see what randomised results you get for the money you spend. They literally... They literally had reaction shots of cool sports players in the corner. Actual real-life basketball players, I I guess they were in that trailer, reacting like it was a Twitch stream to the slot machines and having great fun. Like in this Peggy 3 rated game. Yeah. Mm. And and I, I do understand what they said about they can't rate it based on a trailer, 
But at, if that's the case, don't have the rating in the trailer to begin with. Yeah. Like at that point, what are they? Why is there a Peggy Three rating in that trailer if they can't do ratings based on trailers? Is that just the publisher telling them it's a Peggy rated three game? Well, they say in here specifically, um, the trailer includes imagery that is generally known from casinos. Using this sort of mechanic to select an item or character or action by random chance is not the same as teaching how to gamble for money in a casino. So it seems like Peggy's distinction is it again boiling down to, yeah, you're using a slot machine, you pull down the handle, see what you get, but you're winning a character, not money, therefore we've not taught you that gambling's fun. Which I just vehemently disagree with. I'm like, no, you're using the flashing lights, pull the handle, maybe you'll win something great. That is teaching kids to get hooked onto the idea of using a slot machine for positive reward. The important distinction here is that real money is involved in this economy yeah Mm. this virtual currency they have is and i've said this before and i'll say it again i will not say wink wink that virtual currency is money laundering wink wink Mm. but very much like how loot boxes aren't gambling wink wink it does appear structurally to be indistinguishable yeah it does look like they use virtual currency to cleanse the cash that goes from your wallet into their wallet. It goes through this little cleansing system. So, yeah, um, but, but real money is involved nonetheless. And again, they have this degree of separation to keep it looking clean and to avoid rigid legal definitions. But the moment you start putting slot machines into a, a gameplay economy that is asking for real-world money to keep it sustained, I... I I, I am speechless as to how the industry continues to claim that this is not at all like gambling. It is. Even even if it were just colloquially, it is gambling. Mm -hmm. And I've said that for years. I don't even need a gambling commission to agree with me on this. It behaves like gambling. It's psychologically gambling. It takes your money. Fucking charlatans. Yeah. Yeah, It's just technicalities. Yeah. That's all they've got. All they've got, because you never see EA defend itself from accusations of encouraging problem gambling and spending addicts, the kind of people I've spoken to and whose testimonies I've published. They never address that part. They only ever say, well, there's no monetary value. In order for a publisher to justify loot boxes, they have to tell you that what you're spending money on literally is valueless is literally worthless. Yeah. And that's all they've got. And what a selling point for their product. Spend money on something that not even we will admit has value. It's an absolute shambles. Yeah. Should we wrap up? Yeah, we'll wrap yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, on that fun note. <laughs> I'll go back to playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. I'll tell you what, just quickly about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm sure. not having fun with it. I'm not not having fun with it. It's it's just something to do. It's just happening. And it serves that purpose very well. I'll give it that credit. I'll give it all the credit in the world for that. It is a game because I'm kind of... Things are a bit quiet here this week. They, they tend to go a bit quiet during the, the summer and the early fall for work. So it's literally just something that takes up time <laughs> and it does that it does that job adequately yeah i i uh, recently uh tried to 100% um assassin's creed origins recently because i've been sitting there 
mostly played but unfinished and I was off ill for a little bit so I was like right okay I'm gonna try and finish this game and I found all the locations found everything and then one achievement glitched and I didn't get it and I was really upset (laughs) but uh, going back to that game made me realize how much I really liked that first uh, game of like kind of the more rebooty ones the two recent ones and how good a character that Bayek is he I think he's great and I had uh to to be the replacement gav in this episode I did a lot of photo mode and had a lot of fun with photo mode so yeah it was good I really enjoyed that game but yeah I've I've, I've, I need to get back into odyssey again though because i feel like i've hardly touched that game it's just so big though it's daunting oh yeah i've been i've been playing it all week and i feel like i've hardly touched it it's too much it's why i've not come back to it i'm daunted by how big it is i will never finish that game it's too much it's the the one because i I feel usually i feel neither highs nor lows playing assassin's creed Odyssey. (laughs) like i say it's just consumption for consumption's Mm -hmm. sake and that's fine um, but the one time I have any extreme emotional response to it is when I see so many question marks and arrows and things to do and I have a mini panic because <laughs> I just don't know what to do. Yeah, you kind of go, oh gosh, where do I start? Because um, it's just so huge and it, it's lovely. When when I was back in you know, university and had big long summers, I would spend hours and hours and hours climbing around and collecting every fe- feather in Assassin's Creed 2 and enjoying that. But as someone who works in the games industry as well, these games are just, I love them to bits. Like I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan. Uh, Cassandra, I already love her as a character, but it's just so huge and it can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. It's still greedy as fuck as well. I'll just say that. Shame on you, Ubisoft. I say shame. You've got no shame. <laughs> I, I was very disappointed. Uh, like I'm, I'm someone who like completed Assassin's Creed Origins and then I was like, oh, well, I'll have a look. I've got these credit things I can spend. And I went through and it was like, oh, you can be a unicorn or you can spend money and be all of these other things as well, like for your mount. And it, 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 there was this whole kind of other bit where I was like, oh, there were, you could spend a lot of money on this game. Yeah. I won't. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with the default horse and stuff yeah my first experience with odyssey was I, I started the game up a loading screen happened and the loading screen immediately advertised a store where i could s- buy time savers to speed up currency and xp and i'm like what a way to open your game that i've just spent money on yeah it, it's it's such a huge game and you don't it you don't want it to be a drag but it, it it's a shame that these things are in there it's it's just a bit disappointing <laughs> to be honest yeah well, yeah it, dev- it devalues what's in the game you yeah because they save the best stuff for the premium stuff they're selling to you and i i inherently care a bit less about anything i'm earning in the actual game yeah but yeah anyway i didn't want to bang on too much about it but it, it's there it's a video game that's there i like the greek stuff it's great i love going around greece yeah and i've been i've been to greece and so like my first thing was go and try and find where i've been in greece and just be like <laughs> oh been nice. there hey <laughs> my, my cassandra is gay no matter what that dlc tries to say that, that dlc <laughs> yeah. lies yeah <laughs> right should we should we should we do the thing do the outro yeah certainly <laughs> certainly um right yes um, Laura, where, where can people find your things and stuff on the internet? Me, Laura K Buzz in all the places. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, LauraKBuzz.com, Laura K Buzz on Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. 
I've got a book that's out now, Uncomfortable Labels. You can pick it up as a physical book or as an audio book on, uh, on laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, I'm on a bunch of podcasts. There is Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé do silly skits and voices and have a catch-up on our week. There is Tonal Whiplash, where I do interviews with silly and serious alternating questions. There's Pixel Squirt, where I review video game pornography with the ladies from uh, the Geek Remix YouTube channel. Um, Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, and 6. I think that's about it. Ellen, where are you on the internet? Uh, you can find me. Uh, my day job is outside extra without the E on front of extra because we're cool. Um, and we do loads of... Uh, you, people might know me for the list videos that we do. Um, we just had one go up today or not as, as of recording today uh, about a Pokemon who could totally destroy the world. And it was really fun rooting around uh, the different Pokedex entries and finding really disturbing things because Pokemon is just disturbing. Um, and uh, we do a weekly show called Show of the Weekend. Uh, and I'm particularly proud of the last one we did on Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey, because we basically just did an adventure and I completely messed with my friend Luke. It was great. Uh, also, uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, also have my own vlog channel uh, where I'm Ickle Nelly Rose. Mm -hmm. That is very tongue twisty. So just search for Ellen Rose and you'll usually find me. Um, but yeah, that that's all the stuff I've been doing. Yeah, go check out Ellen's stuff. It's all delightful and interesting and lovely. And Ellen's just really cool. So go fo follow all Ellen's things. Oh, thank you. And thank you very much for being a guest today, Ellen. Oh, I am so honoured to be here. Uh, I've been uh, like years, years, years long fan of you, Jim. Uh, just to be all like, oh, for a second. <laughs> yeah, I've I've um yeah I've been watching you since like your fifth video uh like before oh, wow. like way before uh you went uh gym dependent uh and so yeah it's been really lo lovely discovering all new people like laura and gav oh. through you um and seeing their wo lovely work so yeah it's awesome absolute absolute pleasure being on here wonderful uh, as for me um if you're listening to this there's a you know decent shot you know what i've done this week so go and look at that with your eyes if you want um you know why not? Um, September 13th, if uh, any of you are in the South and you've got an inclination, September 13th, I will be at the Pro South Wrestling Arena uh, once again, visiting Pro South Wrestling at Piedmont, Alabama, where I may or may not bring the, uh, the YouTube Championship back to them. They've been asking me uh, when I'll come back and defend it when I bloody well feel like it. and Maybe I'll feel like defending it on September 13th. We shall see. Uh, but I will be there. I will be in attendance. Uh, you will once again be able to gaze upon the gold-plated face of per perfection. I fucked it up. I fucked up my own fucking wrestling catchphrase. <laughs> the Rock wouldn't do that. You wouldn't expect The Rock to do that. Well, anyway, um, I'm doing that. And, and I'll be back at... Um, I'll be back at Rise Wrestling in Pittsburgh at some point, but certainly before the year is out. Um, so, yeah, check that stuff out. Um, you know, all, all my usual other stuff as well. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting what we do here. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>